We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to a long, long awaited episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm grateful. <laughs> and, and we have come to the end of a very long, a very, very long road indeed. I think this is the longest series that we've tackled to date. And that's Blake Seven. And we are here at the 52nd and final episode enigmatically entitled Blake. And there was much rejoicing. The crew of the Scorpio are leaving Zenon base for the last time. They cannot be sure if the warlord Zukan had revealed their position to Servalan, and if he hadn't, one of the many workers that he had might give up their position. So they destroy the base, and they head out on a new adventure. Avon has in mind what that adventure would be. His attempt to create a coalition and to lead the rebellion himself has failed. They need some sort of a leader, someone who can bring the rabble together and have them wade around in their blood to fight this rebellion. And Avon knows exactly who can do that. And so does Orak, because Orak has found Blake. He exists on the planet Gauda Prime, which causes Sulin some concern because that's where she's from, and it's a bad place. The place that killed her parents because there is no law on Gauda Prime. As they attempt to approach the planet, we see a haggard old bounty hunter. You might even know, not be able to recognize him, but he is Blake. And he's on the planet and he's capturing and killing people as if he was really a nasty bounty hunter guy. Could this really be our eponymous hero? As the Scorpio approaches the planet, they're shot down and crash. Unfortunately, the flight systems are just, just a little bad, and Tarrant cannot leave the ship by teleport. And so he crashes, saving everyone else's life. In the process, Sulindana and Villa are separated from Avon. And they nearly get themselves killed, but luckily... Avon smarter than they are, and smarter than the bad guys. Meantime, Tarrant has been discovered by Blake. He's never met Blake, and Blake doesn't give him his name. But he's taken in for the bounty on his head, because Blake's a bad guy. Blake's a bounty hunter. He's really nasty. This is not good. Meanwhile, Avon is following them to the base, where they go into a secret underground lair. Tarrant, meanwhile, has escaped from the evil, rotten, nasty Blake. But it turns out he's not really an evil, rotten, nasty Blake. This is actually an incredibly clever, cunning plan to weed out Federation agents. Unfortunately, Tarrant doesn't know that. And when he encounters Avon, he, of course, tells him that Blake has betrayed them. So... When Avon and Blake come face to face, Avon asks him, Hey, have you betrayed me? And and Blake says, Avon, it's me. I set this all up. And Avon kills him. 
Meanwhile, it turns out he was right. He can't tell the good guys from the bad because that girl he captured earlier and brought in, turns out she was a Federation agent, and a gunfight ensues, and everyone dies except for Avon, who stands straddled over the body of his friend with Federation guards all around him. And as he lifts the gun, he smiles. Fade to black as gunshots fire. Blake. Blake. The final. The last. The cliffhanger ending for Series 4. Could there have been a Series 5? We don't there was know. A, there were plans for Season 5. Were there? Yep. I had heard that they had subsequently had kind of an out, but that it had never been seriously uh, considered for commissioning. But I'd read, I was doing some reading on it. Uh, I found uh, somewhere that there was actual, actual discussion for a season five. They were seriously looking at it, but as they got towards the home stretch of four, they abandoned it. But this was supposed to be a cliffhanger. Uh, well, you know, if they'd ended at the end of season one, Liberator blown up. If they'd ended at the end of season two, Galaxy invaded by aliens and the Liberator about to be blown up. You know, series three, Liberator blown up. <laughs> it's like there's a pattern there. Um, yeah. This one, though, I mean. This one has a greater sense of finality to it. Boy, does it. Um, you know, yes, once in a while in the past, the Federation have used stun guns. They've had their weapons tuned down to stun. Right, but, and it was thought that I mean that that was part of the the cliffhanger that maybe everybody was stunned, except for Blake, who was clearly all bloodied up. Right. So Gareth Thomas agreed to come back to do this episode on one on condition. condition that there would be blood. blood yeah, he wanted to make yes, he wanted it set in stone that there was no way that Blake could ever come back. Which of course he's completely wrong because there's the clone Blake on that planet. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, but I think he probably forgot about the about Clone Blake. Yes. Well, of course, you know, this is one of those decisions that an actor makes uh in the course of their career and say, "You know something? I'm done with that. I'm never going to do that again." And then and then he came back and he did quite a few of the big finish uh Blake 7 stories some years later. Um mm. he's not doing it anymore, of course, being being dead, but yeah. Um when did he die? Uh, last year or so, oh. we we mentioned okay. it on one of the episodes, but I don't. I see. That. Yeah, I remember. I remember uh, seeming to uh, talk about it, but I couldn't remember when that was. I think it's in 2017, but at the latest, at the well, the earliest it could possibly be is 2016. So it's it's not that long ago. Um, before before um, the War Doctor, John Hurt, mm. but kind of in that time frame, I think. Anyway, so Chris Boucher, script editor, this mm-hmm. is the first time I think. Oh no, he wrote the cliffhanger for Star One too, didn't he? Yes, he yes, did. He did. So, did he write the cliffhanger for Terminal? Ooh, I don't remember. Ooh, I don't recall that one. Um, not without looking it up. I don't remember if he did or not. What do you think of this story? Well, as grateful as I am that this series is over, I mean, that is 40-some-odd minutes of my life I'm never getting back. There's not a lot to it. I mean, it's a series of <clears throat> ping-pong events without well, a whole let's, lot of story. Oh, let's just – well, I, I'll, I will say this. 
I really as as compelling as this as aspects of the story can be, I really dislike it intensely. Okay. But not because of the ending itself. Okay. Well, let's let's run with that. What what is it that that there is it's it's Blake. He is so horrifyingly stupid. stupid. <laughs> yep, that's the word I'd use. This is this has got to be one of the dumbest the dumbest things I've ever seen. I I will agree. It, his whole plan is ridiculous and I he should know Avon well enough. I mean, you know, right down to, Blake, did you betray me? Avon, I set all this up. That is not Don't. the right answer to that, that question. That, that is the that correct is the answer. Wrong answer. Is no. No. <laughs> it's like, no. Hands to your side. No. <laughs> and when Avon says, Don't move, you, you don't, don't move. move. Uh huh. Yeah, everything, oh. everything Blake did there was was uh, just trying to get himself killed. You know, I was actually glad he was shot. Yeah, you you really deserve that one, Blake. <laughs> you really uh, did. Well, no, I, I, I'm glad he got shot because it put him out of my misery. <laughs> I mean, he really is just such an enormous boob. I mean, it's a, I mean, it really is an utter wonder that a man of such idiotic decisions actually managed to avoid Federation capture Mm -hmm. for all this time and for the first two years of the series when, when Blake was running, you know, calling the shots, how he, I mean, he almost got everybody killed several times. Did get, he did get, um, Gan killed. Yeah. I mean, he this and this, all his bad decisions just come home to roost in this one. And you know, he never got out of anything through cleverness. It was always no, it was luck. all dumb luck. It's all dumb luck. And so here, his dumb luck has run out. Oh man, no, no. The only luck he's got is bad. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, he brought it on himself, so I can't call it. Ba- I can't call it bad luck. It's only nah. dumb luck that he escaped all his bad decisions so yeah but yeah uh well it is bad luck to an well is it bad luck no it's just stupid it's stupid it's just stupid it was just stupid let's unravel his plan from the the back end let's let's take a step back gauda prime a planet that had settlers on it including Mm -hmm. sulin's family they wanted to exploit the mineral wealth of the planet if i'm not mistaken it was mineral wealth so there were settlers there. They couldn't mine the place. So the Federation out undid the laws. There are now no laws. It's an open planet. As at one point, Sulin says, you know, so they came and they killed my parents. And Dana rather tactlessly says, it was, or maybe it was Villa. I don't remember. And it wasn't even a crime. And, and Sulin in a very cold way says, Oh, it was a crime. It just wasn't illegal. Hmm. So they've, they clear this planet and the law has come in and, or gone out. 
The companies have come in, they've killed off all the people, they've run off all the settlers, they've done whatever it takes, and now Gauda Prime wants to get their house in order. And so they've reinstated the law by using a bounty hunter program. So now all the bounty hunters are coming to the planet to clean up all the criminals that are hanging around Gauda Prime because it's a lawless planet and what a great place to be, right? No law, no extradition, no problems. Somehow Blake has thought that a planet full of murderous criminals is the place to start his rebellion again. Why? Because it's stupid. You know, his original band, looking back at his original band, Jenna was a criminal. Mm -hmm. She is a pirate, a smuggler. Okay? But smuggling is at least in those days, viewed as a low-violence crime. Right, right. Bill is a thief, a pickpocket. Again, non-violent. Gan was a killer, but... Right, but he had an inhibitor now. You know, the... And he wasn't really a killer killer. No, he was no, he wasn't. He was a man pushed to the to, edge. To his edge. Right. Avon is a blue-collar, or white-collar criminal. Yeah. Computer fraud. Blake, a political activist. Who was being, who was accused of being a mass killer. But wasn't. But was not. But was not. And then you have um, Callie. Who came along later, but yeah. was, was She was a rebel. Rebel. So she was actually the only freedom fighter that joined him in the course of the, uh, in the course of the thing. Now we've, they've all been criminals, but they've all been, well, Dana wasn't really, but. But but Parent, you're talking of. the original gang. Right. If you're talking the original gang, which only makes sense, then what we have here is basically um, all varying degrees, you know, Blake notwithstanding, white-collar criminals. Well, I don't know, you know piracy, I don't know if that's white-collar or not. But but uh, Jenna was not a violent person she per se. She was a pirate. She was a smuggler. Right. Subtle that's liver. all. Yeah. So, but... So maybe Blake feels more comfortable. The people who are in jails are, you know, the people who are likely to start the rebellion because my crew of the Liberator was like that. Uh, but the people in Gouda Prime don't seem to be that kind. No, they don't fit that mold. I, I, I'm not picturing people like Jenna and Villa and Gan no. rushing to Gouda Prime to avoid the law. I picture going to Gouda Prime who are truly, genuinely, well, basically, you'll never see a more wretched hive of scum, of and, scum villainy. and villainy. Yeah. And so these just do not seem like the people you want to pick up. Unless he's, you know, is he handpicking them? Is he looking well, through their records like Arlen and going, oh, she looks like she might be a rebel fighter. I'll well, I guess her. that's, well, apparently, you know, we know that he's doing tests. He's testing these people. And I think part of the test is to evaluate if they are of the caliber that he would deem as valuable. But, well, you know. Needless to say, it's it's very it's a flawed method. Well, and his tests for Arlen, um, I mean, we kind of <clears throat> or Tarrant, for that matter, they're all pretty lame tests. Will he pick mm -hmm. up the gun and shoot me? Kind of thing. Oh, look, will he rob me of my money? Well, well, well then Tarrant's definitely the guy to join Blake's rebellion. Oh, wait, actually, he is. <laughs> but you know. Uh, and Arlen, I don't even remember what she did. She he he convinced her to come in, 
and eat some food, and then he saved her for some other bounty hunters, and that passed the test. And then he shot her. I think he shot her. They shot her. And he, and he, what, what kind of test was that? What, I have what was no, the it's test? stupid. Oh, it's a stupid one. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it's a, yeah, Terrence's test was a stupid test. Oh, I left this gun near you. Oh, I dropped this money near you. Oh, oh, oh. Eh, you know, that's, that's comedy level, uh, testing. I can't even figure out what the test was supposed to be for Arlen. Stupid, dumb, or otherwise. Is it just, will she eat food? <laughs> if I lure her in? Well, yeah, we never saw it. So we have absolutely no idea what it is that made Blake think that she would be a good ally. Right. Well, we we did see that they were handing out um, basically warrants, I think. Right? So here's some people you can go after. Are we supposed to think that these are people that Silver, uh, David Collins' character, who I can't remember what it is, but Silver from Sapphire and Steel, um, has uh, picked out? David, um, David Collins. Uh, David Collins, Collins, yes. Collins. I, I, yeah, I can't think of his character's name in the in the episode, but he was the you know running the front desk basically at the bounty hunters facility. It's possible that he was sifting through the arrest warrants and picking them out and handing them to Blake to go out and bring in. I wasn't clear on that. Neither was I. But obviously, there was a little bit of um, tension there between Khan's character and and Blake because he was saying, you know, you don't need to do all these silly tests. I do all this in the computer and screen them and, you know... <clears throat> indulge me or... <laughs> right. Yeah, indulge me. I, I have trouble trusting. And, uh, of course, his trust in her and, and Collins are both fail on Arlen. She is a Federation officer. She is a Federation officer. And then, again, here we are back to the stupid. Because if if uh, David Collins' character had been allowed to do the test that the way he had set it up, um, odds are she would have been uh, she would have been um, unmasked, shall think, we say. I think he did. That's I kind of get the feeling he didn't. I, th- I think he's he did the test. Well, first off. I don't think he did. You know, he hands him off to. Uh, Blake hands him off to him and says, "Here, yeah, but okay, I you seem do to remember. A li- I seem to remember a line though, where he said something to the effect of, it would just allow me to do my computer tests.' I seem to remember something to that effect. He, 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 it's possible. Which kind of led me to believe that um, he wasn't allowed to test um, Alana in, in the way that he wanted to. See, I, I was interpreting it that he was saying that my tests are good enough, and you going out and doing this is just incredibly stupidly dangerous." Because you're mm. going to get yourself killed. Yeah, I didn't get needlessly. that. But, you know, which that part is true. Blake is going yeah. out needlessly to get himself killed. Turns out he didn't have to. Yeah, no, <laughs> he did. Right at home. But, um, I mean, uh, but, I mean uh, not Alana, but Arlen. Uh, but it's not, still, I just kind I don't know. Maybe I didn't hear it right, but I just got the feeling that he didn't get to test Arlen the way that he wanted to and that he, you know, uh, relented. To Blake's authority. Okay, but but let's go let's go this much. Would you agree that Blake pretended to be kind of a nice guy until Arlen? They were the bounty hunters came. Arlen gets shot. Blake kills the other bounty hunters, and then he reveals to her that he's a bounty hunter and he's going to take her in. 
Because she says, I think there were four of them. And he goes, I was the fourth. And she like spits on him or whatever she does. And he takes her in. And when he turns her over to David Collins' character, she still thinks he's a proper bounty hunter. Would yeah. you agree? Because yes. she then later says to him, I've got, I've got some information. I've got some information for you about, uh, about yeah. That guy. So that means that her entire indoctrination into the organization occurred after Blake left. So it was all done by David Collins or his people. So they must have been doing something in there because there was never anything – there was never any Blake introducing the idea of, hey, would you like to join the rebellion? That was obviously done by Tim Collins. And honestly, really, to hand her a gun within a day, mm, that's no. the other thing that, that bugs me about that. I mean, she was still being just now turned off when the Scorpio was crashing. And we know the Scorpio, Scorpio was there overnight after it crashed. So at most, we're talking 24 hours, however long a Dan Gata Prime is. And she's already a trusted member with a gun. Mm-hmm. Not not the best writing on that part. Well, no. Uh, but again, I mean, so, so now we come to an interesting situation here. Uh, what was Chris Boucher's intent regarding Blake? Was he out to deliberately make Blake look like an idiot? Because I would be fascinated because <laughs> I, mean, I wonder what other Blake 7 fans think. I mean, do we do they all view Blake the same way that that you and I do? That Blake was just the biggest dork uh, to, to ever grace uh, the television screen, especially for this series. I mean, he's never been so stupid in his life, not that I can remember. And, and Blake's done some pretty stupid things in the first two years that he was on, but this one really takes the cake. Yeah. So do other. Uh, Blake Seven fans feel the same way that Blake was, you know, just a complete and utter idiot. And if so, if that's the popular consensus, does this sort of maybe hint at an idea that Chris deliberately wrote him that way? He's saying, "Well, okay, Gareth, if all you're going to do is come back to get shot, I'm going to make you look like I'm. I'm going to make you look like a complete tool." I don't know. I I have um. I've never thought of it as a sort of writer's conspiracy, although well, that does – not conspiracy may not be the right word, but that, but that, that does happen. There have been characters uh, in TV series, and I wish I could, I could bring one up, but you could – if listeners want to look on Wikipedia, I've see, read articles on this. There have been actors who have just been terrible, um, obnoxious to the staff – and and the people and so the writers kill them in very ignominious ways in the stories and get rid of them and in fact there's even a there's even a a, a joke about it in an episode of friends <clears throat> boy i'm pulling deep for this one where yeah. where joey tribbiani has finally gotten a job on days of our lives and mm-hmm. He's beginning to get popular, and he goes in TV Guide or something, and he he says something really stupid like "I I help the writers come up with good lines for me" or something like that, and the next script comes in and he falls down an elevator shaft. Right, he's killed. Yeah, he's killed off, and 
that's based on real things that have been done to actors who piss off the production crew. Oh, yeah. that's There's nothing new about that. So I suppose it's possible. What I... What I've always thought was it it takes it takes a really good writer to write what should have been the final dialogue between Blake and Ava so that what one person says, what the other person says can be taken two ways and the audience doesn't just automatically take it only one way and go, wow, Blake, that was a stupid thing to say, you know? But unfortunately, I don't think Chris Boucher managed it. He, he's hmm. He's been great at some fantastic dialogue over the course of Blake 7. But in this case, I went back and watched that final sequence two or three times for the purposes of this, and I just don't see that level of subtlety or... I I can't figure out any excuse for what Blake says. It just it just isn't. Well, it's not just what Blake says, but what also happens. I mean, again, as you pointed out earlier, I mean, it's it's a day later after Blake apprehends Arlen, and now she's got a gun. Yeah. <clears throat> so again, I keep coming back to these this idea that Blake is really being written even more stupid than we've ever seen him be on this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you first... Uh, oh, go ahead. So I don't know. So I was going to say, like, I mean, either it's it was a concerted effort on, on Boucher's part to make just, you know, make Blake look like a complete and utter fool for the sake of the audience, because maybe maybe Boucher uh, fell into the whole Avon 7 camp, because the, I, mem- I remember that's what the show was being called in its final two seasons. Uh, so either he just wanted to make Blake look like a complete moron out of personal lust, or he was out to make Blake look like a complete moron because it worked the story. Or he just was out of his depth at writing it. In a, in I don't think that, he was. You know, you know uh, well, okay, unless so, he was, uh, you know how it goes in the story that you can hand somebody sometimes a writer to make something work to make a particular plot device that they want they have to hand a character the idiot ball who has the idiot ball this week to do something stupid to advance because nothing would happen wrong if people behaved the way they needed to behave well i would say this blake's got the biggest hands to handle his own idiot, idiot balls he 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 had it in this episode, and that's usually a sign that the writer isn't up to the task well, of making and then, the events happen without taking a character and dipping their IQ down for this particular episode. And um, I'm sure I, think, I, I would I would love to know what was actually going on in Boucher's mind when he wrote this one, because there's there's some really interesting things happening with this. Uh, there, as we said, uh, we we. We've heard that towards the latter part of this season that the series was being canceled. Actually, I read – one of the things that I read is that the cast actually didn't know that the series had been canceled until they read the script. And then when they started to see that they were all being shot, they realized, oh, well, this is it. Could be. I don't know. Sadly enough, there is a making of documentary that was put together. So, of course, the DVDs are not available 
<laughs> I'm dating myself there. VHS is available. I have them. Um, <laughs> uh, but the DVDs were never released in uh, the United States in Region 1. And right. And for that matter, the VHS was not. It was released in Canada. But um, when they decided to release Blake 7 on DVD in the UK, they commissioned somebody to make a documentary for each series. And that was to go on the last disc. And it was, I think, about 50 minutes long for each series. And they're quite interesting. Um, at the last minute, they said, yeah, no, we're not going to put them on there. And they were never released. But they only made three of them. Series one, two, and three. They never made the fourth before they got dropped. So we don't know, we don't have any cool documentary for the four series. But if you want to find the first three, they're available on YouTube. And you can go out and watch them. And they are, they're quite comprehensive. So they talk about, you know, at the end of series three, about thinking they were canceled and finding out when it aired that they weren't. And, uh, and just some of this, the, the dynamics and things that were going on. But in the four series, nothing. We got nothing. No official Lake Seven documentary or or um, history of any kind. Mm. So I don't know. I, I hadn't heard that, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me. But I would, you know, uh, it looked like they were dead at the end of the previous one, in a way. It's yeah, I did. So I don't know. So what did you think the first time you saw this? Did you know what was happening was coming? Yes. Okay. It had been talked about so much that uh and I was I was a regular um viewer uh on Usenet and I was always going to the sci fi news groups on Usenet and I had read about Blake Seven. Mm. So I knew how it ended. I at least in terms of uh how everybody, you know, how how everybody got shot. Mm -hmm. So I knew about that. I did not know anything about how we got to that point. So to watch it was interesting, um, disappointing. Oddly enough, it does I, really I, it does really fall apart fast. Yeah, at the end. I mean, you could kind of say that it was. It was building up from the moment that Tarrant got separated. But, yeah. <clears throat> you know, there's just, just that... I, I, I really do think Belcher was trying to go for, for you know, like Shakespearean level Romeo and Juliet kind of oh, tragedy sure thing. And he happen. just... He's not. He's no. not the bard. And, uh, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So, let's... Um, Take a brief detour and check in with the last, the rest of our characters in this story. Um, we get a little uh, jaw clenching from Sulin talking about Gauda Prime, but ultimately that goes nowhere. And in fact, I think we mentioned this last time, um, our gunsmithing wasn't very good. Not gunsmithing, but her gunplay wasn't very good in this episode. But that was really all there was. I mean, you'd think she would have been the one that had would have done better than everybody else in the firefight, but she really didn't go very far. Not very, but then none of them really did. No, no. And what I love is, 
you know, here, yeah, everybody's kind of shooting around and Avon is just standing literally in the center of the room. I mean, he is like the target of all targets. He's gone completely schizo. And he's a statue. Yeah. Dana, nothing. Nothing. I know. She She was supposed to be like a big weapons mistress. I mean, that's the reason we kind of brought her on board. And uh, I'm talking about just at the end. I mean, the whole episode. Oh, God. She was useless. She was useless. Um, you know, no, they didn't get to do <clears throat> no heroics for them. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Villa didn't get to break into anything, really. And um, Dana didn't get to do anything. And Sulin didn't get to do anything. Tarrant got to save the ship. Well, save the crew, bring the ship in. So he had his big damn hero moment. Um, but, and Avon, I... I I can't tell. You know, we, we talked about whether he's in crazy Avon mode. I think he's in crazy Avon mode here. I don't know if it's worse than in the last episode, but, you know, they bring up the, they bring up the idea that Avon was using Sulin, Dana, and Villa as bait. And mm-hmm. he, he kind of, he kind of was, you know? I mean, he, did, he claims he didn't know it was them, but um, he kind of was using them as bait to get the flyer to come down. But a, uh, apart from f- finally getting Orak to do what Orak is supposed to do, um, which is tap into computers, track down information, uh, right? Save them. Say finally, thank you, Orak. Finally. Um, you know, they didn't really do much of anything. It it, it really was just sort of a, a tumble over your footsteps along the way until they all die, hmm. right? which is what I didn't like um, really about the episode in the long run more than anything else. I, I didn't mind it falling apart fast at the end because that's how it would happen. You know, there would just be that. that it would be a spark, quick spiral downwards. Right? Yeah. The spark that would just go boom, boom, boom. And then suddenly it's fun. Um, what else have we got? I have one thing, but I'm saving it. Ah, uh, I wonder if it's about Slave. Oh, uh, we could talk about Slave. I thought that was uh, repetitive. The first time he calls somebody by name. Yeah, I, I noticed that. Tyrant, which is basically what Zen's final phrases were. Um, I have failed you. I, I almost almost shed a tear. Almost. Well, it was not too far off from when we said goodbye to Zen. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. Uh, the apology. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Slave, there's something infinitely more endearing because he's so freaking apologetic. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Master. Yeah. So it was a... It, it, it pulled at the heartstrings a tiny bit more. Which is weird, because I can't stand Slave the rest of the time. No, I like Zen better. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this one kind of got to me a little bit. I I just... And, and the other thing that kind of threw me a little bit, I, I didn't remember this. Okay, so they, they destroy the base, but it's how long before now we're going to just completely tank the ship? Boy, talk about, you know... Just dismantling the show in rapid hurry. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good day. 
was like was was not a good day for the crew of the Scorpio by, by any stretch of the imagination. Not really. So here's my here's my question. Observation. Why wasn't Servalan in this episode? That is a great question. I mean, she is, was, I, I find it really peculiar that in the final episode, we do not have Servalan. And she was in the previous episode. Yes, she was. So it's not like she, you know, said, I'm not going to do any more of this show. I mean, she was right there up to the second to last episode. She should have been here. I, I don't know exactly in what capacity, but... She should have been there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. On the other hand, maybe that's dramatically meant to highlight the futility of this death. This was not a big Servalan plot to capture and kill them all. This was just a seriously dumb misunderstanding. That, yeah. That so maybe Possibly. that's the you know, these things can fall for no reason whatsoever. Um I don't know. Now, there's a bit of trivia in this episode that uh, I don't know the character's name, but the woman that works. Oh, yes. Yes. I know who she is. Paul Darrow's wife. And and she agreed to it because she thought it would be funny that he could kill her. Yes. So so he got to do that. (laughs) Because and not have it be an actual fight. Yeah. and, And and they were. Ava was pretty indiscriminate. They came into that that hangar and just started killing people. Oh yeah. So it turns out that was Blake's rebel base, and he's killing all the good guys mm-hmm. from the start. It's like, yeah, yeah. So you know, there's no hint there that Avon has any clue. So Orak tracks him down, but can't tell you what what he's doing on Gauda Prime. No, he can't. So that kind of. It, did did Oreck know and just choose not to share? Well, it didn't serve Oreck very well. No, but we have heard, uh, I, at least I seem to remember situations where uh, Oreck would be questioned, well, why didn't you say something? Well, you didn't ask. Yes, that that has happened. There's, it absolutely has happened. <clears throat> Villa does have a great line in this episode, I, I think it's worth mentioning. And that's like, one of these days we're going to go down one of these holes and we're never going to come back up. Yeah. How prophetic. Yeah. It's almost like they knew it when they were writing that line, but yeah. And I forgot to go through and read it because I couldn't have done it again. Cause I, I seem to recall hating it, but there was a novel written, um, that was, um, continued the story on Mm. and i'm just gonna find its name here if i can afterlife by tony atwood i'm sure that's the one i have it around here yeah there's no is there a synopsis that's what i'm looking um (laughs) uh, i'm not gonna even try uh I'm not going to try. So let's see. Um, yep. No, I'm not going to. But that is the that is the sequel novel, and I seem to recall. So I'm I'm really pushing my my recollection because I read this back way back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. 
sitting on my bookshelf somewhere, but I have not read it since. Tarrant wasn't dead. Wounded, but he wasn't dead. Right. And he escaped, and he got out into a cave or something, and then some sort of a creature ate him and killed him. <laughs> so, so there's like... There's like this, we, we survey, we let a couple of the characters survive, two or three of them survive, and then we proceed to kill them over the course of the book. I hate that. It, it, it really was, it really was bizarre. There's also been some talk of when they were thinking about, you know, trying to come up with a post Blake seven thing. And one of the, one of the ideas was that Avon had survived. The others had been killed, of course. And then Avon was like in exile, like Napoleon on Elba. They kept him alive for some stupid reason. I can't remember what it was, but that the the rebellion was now actually forming up in his name instead of Blake's. And so they come to rescue him to get him off the island so that he can be the figurehead. And that was the, the idea because everyone else is dead. Um, None of these sound none of these sound very good. No, they don't. Frankly. And the idea that they were just stun guns is terrible too. It's like, oh no, we weren't killed. We're just Um You know, I think they only ever used the stun gun once, which was in Project Avalon. Ooh, I channeled that. Project wow, Avalon. Wow, very good. Because they had and and they noticed that the weapons didn't sound right when they were shooting them. So, yeah, I don't I don't think there was meant to be any <laughs> chance of them surviving. Um, so, final scene, final moment, final final shot. The guards shots shots final shots. The guards are standing in a Russian firing squad all around. A guy in the middle. And, of course, if they shot at him, they'd be shooting at each other. If he ducks. If he ducks. Fast yeah. enough. Well, even, you know, when he falls. When the first one hits him and he falls, the rest of them shoot each other. <laughs> well, if they, dramatic, shoot each other, but, if they hit simultaneously, you know, and he manages to hit the floor at the right moment, then, yeah, they're taking each other out. Even though we're not hearing all the shots hit at the same time, they seem to be firing off individually in some kind of sequence Mm -hmm. but he's just staring at blake what have i done what have i done is that what he's thinking i think so i i do i think so do do you think think at some point avon actually realizes i mean does he realize that he was wrong in killing blake or it's okay okay because i never got that yeah i i think so i think i think when arlen comes in and explains it to them oh that's true that He's like, ooh. Boy, did I call that one. I'm just as stupid as Blake. I, boy, yep, nope, that's not a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think that's the final straw that pushes him over. But, you know, is he, is he, the question is, is he committing suicide? When he stands there and he uh. straddles Blake, I mean, he's taking his last stand and he's, slowly raising the gun and he's smiling is that intended to say alright guys this is it have at it hmm I never ever considered the idea that he would actually be 
setting himself up to be just you know obliterated like that. You know, I, I feel like at this point he may be feeling a bit fragile. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, see, he hasn't exactly had the best luck lately. I mean, the last he's, two he's, or three weeks, he has really he's made some bad moves. Not come off well here. No, he's, he no, he's made some rather Blake-like moves. So, uh, and this one really, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's interesting how his 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 character journey sort of tracks along with Blake. I mean, you know, before Blake goes bye bye, and he makes some just some really nasty bonehead moves. Avon now makes some really nasty bonehead moves, and now Blake has died as you know as the end all be all of stupidity, and and Avon is the instrument of Blake's death by the end all be all of his own stupidity. So well, wow. Let, let me let me. Let's look at those two character journeys because nobody else went on a character journey in this story except Blake and Avon. Those are the only two that went on a character journey. I think we've talked about it before, but but to recap, Blake starts off generally speaking as an idealistic guy. I mean, he definitely is a bit ruthless and willing to kill, but he's. You know, he is playing the hero to start off with. He's trying to do good, even when it's, you know, at micro scale. You know, his actions are, are guided by good. But as his character progresses through the story, he becomes more of the I'll do whatever I have to, whatever the cost to achieve my goal. God, sounds like Blake's believing his own press. Well, yes, exactly. He he was. And we can't look at the Blake that's at the end of uh Terminal because that's fake. That that's right. a, that's a simulation. So all we ever see is up to the last point where Blake is has led them to the destruction of the Federation what appears to be the destruction of the Federation, and then to get up at the last moment and realize, oh, wait a minute. I mean, Avon's the one that pointed out to him, if we destroy Star One, you kill millions of people. But we destroy the Federation, right? I mean, he is he is way off the deep end when we get to that point. So how he gets from that point to this sort of, I don't trust anybody, I'm going to do all my own testing by seeing if they eat food... I don't, right? I don't. I don't see the progression there, and unfortunately, I think that's one of the things that makes the story not hold up very well. Is because I don't see a path between those two, unless he's just bitter old beaten guy. But he's not because he's building up a new army. He is succeeding at what he was trying to do all along. He's just doing it in just a up way. But Blake's character arc. Avon's character arc, he can't go through that because he started as the guy who would pragmatically do whatever he needed to do to achieve his ends. That was, that was his shtick. Right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and throughout series three, they couldn't really figure out what to do with him because they started trying to make him a little more Blake-like. And that didn't really ring very true. And then in series four, they've driven him back, back, back to the, I'm doing whatever's pragmatic for me, 
killing the scientist in Star Drive or whatever it happens to be. Um, what what was his arc? It's only in the last two or three episodes that suddenly he's he's trying to start up a, a, a rebellion. Well, we've and seen he's doing that for pragmatic purposes yeah. too. Yeah. So the, uh, what is there? It has been. I, I we've seen hints. I mean, right from the very beginning, there was no question. Avon was one hundred percent in it for himself. But even within the first first series, we saw the occasional moment where Avon showed a little bit of idealism, and and uh, you know, like when when he saves Blake on oh my god, that one webby planet that was guarded web, by Rover, the web planet. Yeah, the web planet. No, and uh, the web. Yeah, the web. And what you know, Blake says something to the effect of you know, I'm, I'm surprised that you know that that you saved me. Avon responds something like, "I'm surprised too." You know, I'm paraphrasing terribly, but there are there have been moments where Avon has has demonstrated that, and we've seen it kind of you know wax and wane throughout throughout the the series, all all the series so far. So yes, his his development has been really in the shadow. It's it's definitely played second banana to to Blake's. And it wasn't until he took over the ship, after Blake was presumed lost, that he really started to come to the forefront. Well, obviously, because now he's running things. But we started to see some depth to his character and some and some evolution hmm. take place. I, I, uh, even even to the point where, uh, when even when we see uh, fake Blake in, mm-hmm. in Terminal, uh, despite... The crusty exterior that Avon puts on, I think that part of him is really glad that he sees Blake alive. I mean, I think part of it, again, is self-serving because, oh, well, thank God, I don't have to be doing this anymore. I can go back to whatever the hell I want to do. Well, there was also that thing that had been promised to him. He wanted Liberator. No, 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 no. There was that, there was that, that incredible power they could share. Mm. That, that was a joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's like, right. It wasn't just... It wasn't just we weren't allowed to know whether or not he'd come to find Blake or whether he'd come to find whatever it was that Blake had secret was. Right. That's right. Blake. Yeah. That's, I, that's right. I forgot about that. So there are some self-serving elements there, but I think I, I, there was just something in the way that the character is acted out that you kind of get a sense of, he's actually glad from a purely personal point of view that Blake is alive, or at least he presumes to be alive. And then, then I think to this episode, when, y- yes, Avon was looking for a new figurehead to, mm-hmm. to, to take up the charge, but there's something about the way that he reacts when he believes that Blake has betrayed him, oh, yeah. that Blake has sold him out. He, he, that, he I mean, it Blake could, is a one trustworthy guy he knows. Right, exactly. I mean, it could be that, again, he's still thinking about this from an entirely self-serving point of view, like how, you know, you were the person I was going to, you know, foist this upon. You were the person I was, I was pegging to, to take up the charge because I really don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, and now you've really screwed me over. So there could be that. No. But every time I hear, I mean, and I, I've seen this this one scene. I mean, I've only seen the episode twice, but I have seen this scene multiple, multiple times. 
And every time I watch it, I keep there's something in Avon's reaction that tells me that he's personally Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well it's really distressed over this. So I get the, the feeling So I, what I'm saying is that this this tells me that Avon has gone through uh, a completely uh, huge character arc, as you point out. I mean, yes, it happens really towards the latter part of this entire series because now he's outside of Blake's shadow, but it's finally happened. Now he's reached this this point that he's never been at before, but that also means that now he's being stupid hmm. because I don't think he he as he gets closer to that goal – or that that destination of becoming this almost an idealist. I mean, well, he never. I don't know if I almost is the right I, word, yeah. but no, not quite. No, he would never be that good. Um, but as he gets closer to where we see him at present, we see him make dumber decisions. See, I I see Blake's at, at the end there, and, and Boundary's not great at this, but I mean, again, Blake Seven's more of a proto story arc kind of thing than than a real one. Uh, I. You know, I Blake's trajectory towards guerrilla revolutionary, uh, failed moralist, if you will, is only in evidence in several episodes along the way, uh, towards the end of the series. And I think we can put that to Chris Boucher's thing. Uh, Avon's to me seems all over the place until the last few episodes when he's just on a trajectory to madness. He, he's he's not any, going anywhere except Wacko Town, and much like Blake did with his uh, quest for Star One, and Blake is well, a different kind of Wacko. I mean, I mean, actually, put him in an insane asylum, Wacko. Uh, a schizophrenic, oh, he needs to be in a straitjacket. Yeah, a delusional breakdown kind of thing. Avon seems to be on that kind of trajectory to me, and I think you know you're right. His his line. Have you betrayed us? Have you betrayed me? me? He's practically crying. No, yeah. it's absolutely Blake is the one person in the universe that he didn't think would betray him. I mean, he, he's he's Blake, and he's my friend. He's <laughs> like he's the closest thing to a friend I've had in you know forever. Outside of Villa, <laughs> well, and you know uh, uh, Anna Grant, who <laughs> turned out betrayed him, and mm. so I mean he's got some issues there. Yeah, he has trust issues. This he has didn't trust help. Issues, and he trusted Blake, and Blake does this this you know bonehead bit of dialogue there that he could have diffused by just saying, "No, I have not. <laughs> not I've been waiting for you like it was a trap, you idiot. No, I'm no, <laughs> no." I did this for you. No. <laughs> Stupid. The worst thing he could have said was, I set this for you. That would yeah. have been the worst. Oh, that but, would have been great. That would have been much worse. But, you know, the, just as bad. But anyway, that's that's my, my take here is, yes, absolutely. Avon was personally affronted and and crushed and damaged. There's There's no doubt about that. Whether or not he had truly lapsed into some sort of dissociative state there at the end and was just which then begs the question you know and that actually that that does beg the question that you asked earlier is he now just setting himself up i mean is this a form of suicide Mm -hmm. standing over blake's dead body like that i think it is i think the fact that it might very well be blake's dead body is the is the key you know he turns around and he thinks i'm making a stand here 
this is, you know, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This, this body right here. So he's, whether he's protecting Plague from, from the Federation or, or whether he's owning up to his own mistake, uh, I don't know, but, you know, he's, he's nutso town. So oh, I, totally. wacko town, crazy town, and nutso town. He is, he is out of, he's in tune town. He is gone. <laughs> I think at that last moment, but, um, I, I don't know that they could have gone anywhere with him after that. Except I guess they could have broken him down, fixed his mind, made him confess, and then put him back together and made him a nice citizen on Earth. But, Ugh, um, that would have been no fun. Yeah. Well, anyway. I got nothing else. I'm um, to even look at how long we've talked about this particular Oh, I know. Uh, you're approaching an hour. Well, um, uh, my final thoughts on this. I think a fifth season could have been good. Even though Gareth Thomas wanted Blake to be killed permanently, uh, I, 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 I really think it would have been good to have Blake reunited with Avon for one last season, just for the uh, the chemistry, because they did have great chemistry together. Um, but this is the thing that kind of I keep coming back to, and I'm very puzzled by this. If Gareth wanted Blake dead then why come back and do this episode just to kill him again? Because for all intents and purposes, we could have just left it at Terminal and just taken Servalin's word, you know, what she said, you know, as, as gospel, that, that Blake really was dead. But now, no, we now have this whole bit where Blake is, uh, we, or Avon comes to this conclusion that Servalin lied all this time, and... Blake is actually alive, only to kill Blake again. So, I don't know. I find that just kind of wacko. I'm going to say uh, Gareth Thomas, not a science fiction fan. Um, Gareth Thomas, not a writer. Um, definitely just not. Idiot. Just not a fan. I mean, he He's doesn't think like a fanboy, right? So, I think what we have here is he came back and did Blake, and they reveal or Terminal, and they revealed that he was dead. And so, right, they got him on the phone. They're going, Gareth, Gareth, baby, I want you to come down and do another episode of Blake 7 for the series finale. And he's like, God, all right, fine. Is this the end? Yeah, this is the end. We're, we're ending the series here. We're good. So we're going to, you know, it's going yeah, to then, it's gonna turn out to be a fake. It's going to turn out to be a fake, but don't worry about it because, you know, that's, that's going to be it. So then they come back again. And of course, they're getting down towards the end of the thing and they, and they, Got him on the phone again. And they go, hey, Gareth, baby, well, won't you come down for the series finale? And he think, oh, for <clears throat> sake, I'll do it, but only if you bloody me up and spatter my brains all over the place so you can't call me again ever, 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 ever. That's what happened. That is the, th- the rationale behind it. He's not thinking in terms of, oh, I'd forgotten in episode, in series one, the episode where uh, mm. Blake had a clone that they could bring me back in that and they could ask me again. He's thinking, hey, uh, TV series, kill me off, dead, dead, dead. Not just somebody off camera says, yeah, Blake's really dead. You know, dead. I'll win him dead. Kill him. He's dead. And then I'll never have to come back because you'll never ask me again, which is funny because, of course, they would. For flashbacks or for, you know, uh, an imposter or any number of things that they could have asked him to come back and play Blake yet again. But I, I think he was just, you know, nope, I, I don't want you to ever call me again. And that's my, and those are my terms. Yeah. 
Okay, I can I can accept that. Um, it from 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 a fanboy point of view, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Bla- Gareth is not. So I accept. You know, that's that that was probably the the thinking that was going on in his mind when he made these decisions. Um, still, I think it would have been better if they just like not even called him. You know, just just don't even write an episode with him. You know, it, it just would have been better. I think. Uh, and then, of course, now we're left with, you know, Servalyn. Now she's she's living life quite happily as Sleer with lots and lots and lots of power, doesn't have to face punishment for her own actions. So science fi- this science fiction te- sh- television show is telling us, hey, the bad guys do win at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. Yes. Very yes. depressing. I, I Blake 7 is definitely a different take, and I'm not... Uh, generally of the inclination to enjoy um, bleak, dark um, story. But but in a way it isn't. Um, because there are people standing up to evil in this universe. They're not necessarily winning, but hope is not extinguished. Um, a new plucky group of rebels could come along and and start up the fight, but ah, fair. yeah, it's definitely it's meant to be a different tone. It's meant to be a different world than than say Star Trek or or Doctor Who. Um, it, it was meant to be a, a, a definitely a, a dystopian dystopian future. And, oh, it uh, is. So, but so here's where we do our series wrap up. Blake Seven, final thoughts on the whole thing as a whole. Well, I remember somebody years ago. Um, he used to run. He, he's a big fan of British. Well, just a bit, just a big fan of television sci-fi. Uh, he used to run lots of British panels, and he maintained that Blake Seven was the the finest science fiction show that ever aired on television. Um, I will argue that. I don't think it's that fine. It started off, I think, amazing, um, but just sort of, kind of, I don't know if I want to say it became self-indulgent, but we started to reach a point where our primary characters were not being written well. Mm. Not entirely. Uh, Blake started making some really stupid decisions. I mean, to the point where... I had a hard time in accepting him as a leader. Uh, then, you know, Avon comes on board, who at first just come, you know, it gives the appearance of simply wanting to just, you know, rob the Federation for all its money and, you know, live, live high on the hog. Uh, then becomes a bit of the rebel fighter himself. Then he starts making bad decisions. So I and then you know the ancillary characters. I mean, for the most part, I've always hated Villa because he's nothing, nothing more than just a terrible whiner. Um, Tarrant is just I can't I can't figure he's all over the board. I can't figure him out. I mean, one moment he's you know the, this this oh the, the, this cookie cutter mm-hmm. uh, just just. Oh shoot! What's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it right now. But there was just something. At times they pre- presented him as being just this, you know, the, the good old boy. And then there are other yeah. times where he was anything but the good old boy. And then yeah. there's these bizarre romances that he would have with Dana. And then as far as Dana goes, 
she to me just seemed like a, a waste of space. I mean, she's brought in initially to be this warrior, not a very good one, uh, and then we don't really do anything with her. And then we finally get Sulin, who for the first half of the season was utterly uninteresting, and then finally they start to make her interesting just in time to kill her. Yeah. So it, it's just such a bizarrely written show, especially in terms of its character development. I mean, there may have been some really good plot stories here and there, but what... If, when you're having a series, what is it that's going to help lure your audience in? It, Yes, you need to have a great tale, a really great plot <laughs> to drive them in. But you need something to hook them in. And part of that hook will be your characters. And while the characters seem really interesting in the beginning, except for Villa, uh, towards the end, they just became very weird and in some cases stupid. Yeah, uh, you know, I I think that um, I've always enjoyed Blake Seven. I I enjoyed Blake Seven on this run through. Although, you know, there are times you're looking at it and and going, "Wow, this this episode really, you know, we're yeah." In a dry maybe patch watching here. maybe watching with a critical eye just does not work, especially towards the latter season, uh, la, or the latter latter two seasons. There have been clinkers although, all the way. Yeah, there have been. Um, although now now. Damn it! Because of this this podcast that we have, I look at everything with a critical eye. I can't help it now. But now, I so I it didn't change my enjoyment for Blake Seven. But you know, there were some episodes that I really didn't like that I turned out I liked better, having gone through the critical eye. And then there were episodes that uh, vice versa had mm-hmm. happened to it. Um, I don't know that there was a golden era of Blake Seven. I think if there was, it was probably series two. Really, I would have actually put it the first part of series one. The first few episodes of series one, I would agree, are very, very strong. And then you reach the web. And well, okay, yeah, and then then it went really dumb. And then you're into that the same kind of quality ups and downs that we didn't get. Um, you know, well, we, that we did get throughout the rest of the thing. I think it's, I think there is some stuff in series two where we are beginning to see the Blake story and the Gan story and the star one where, you know, there's still the clinkers, but, but I think that's kind of, kind of probably where it's hitting its stride and it stumbles a bit in series three because they don't know what to do without Blake. And then in series four, they're trying to write the course of what they did wrong in series three by going over the top in a different direction, you know, like taking away the hero attributes from Avon and whatnot. So I mentioned this once a long time ago, and I said we would talk about it when we got to the end of Blake seven. Oh, Greg. Yeah. Okay. What? There has been for many years. How do I want to preface this? There has been for many years talk of a remake of Blake seven. No. There there have been. Well, there has been talk. Yeah, there has been. Okay. Yeah, I say no. Leave it alone. But now here's... Well, it's a great premise. I mean, it's a, it's a great premise for a show. And I, I, well, I, I, say, I say leave it alone because... Uh, and my reasons are strictly personal. I despise remakes. Okay. As, as a rule. But... And, and this is true with any show that grows organically... Part of what makes Blake Seven so unique, so um, 
well, distinct from the run of the mill is half the show doesn't even have the hero in it, right? They make a series of a TV show called Blake Seven about a guy named Blake doing some and Blakey then the last, stuff. Yeah. And then and the, he quits they, and they decide to keep going with the show. Now that is what we call, this is sort of the companion's journey too, in, in my opinion. They don't, they don't plan, at least in the old days of Doctor Who, they don't plan the companions out. You know, they work. They hire them until they quit or they fire them. And then suddenly they're like, oh, well, I guess we'll have Leela marry somebody and leave. And it's like, boom, gone. And you never saw it coming. And then they bring in a different companion and they go on their way. Blake Seven, you could argue, is telling the story from them escaping to basically they're all dead. You would, You simply would never tell this story with Blake disappearing halfway through the series hmm. right you just you just wouldn't do it. it it's it's not so if they ever did go back and remake blake seven they would well they either wouldn't call it blake seven you know if they were you know they would now have it sort of plotted out where they were going and they would have an ironclad contract on their star that so is true it would yeah it it would be before they were done it, it would be it would be a lot different so um yeah the, it agreed the quaint quirkiness that created this show as it is cannot be recaptured no so the only thing that they could do is they could try to make i would think maybe you could try to make i don't want to say a mini series but in other words a story out of this and and go and maybe you could do maybe you could do Blake to Star 1 as a big story and then probably be done with it at that point. But mm. I, I don't know. I, um, I, I'm not. I I don't necessarily. I don't hate remakes like I used to. Um, I, I used to think that you know it's it's like Star Trek. I'm not offended with the fact that they recast Kirk and Spock. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. I'm offended by what they did with it to dumb it down to stupid teenage audiences in the 21st century. Agreed. But okay. But I'm not opposed to the idea of saying, "Hey, we want to keep telling stories." And you know, it's been 50 years, it's time to just not bother paying attention to the old and tell these stories. It's like mounting a new stage play of Hamlet. It's like we're we're going to do it again. Because it's a good story to tell, or it's it's you know, and maybe slightly different ways because they do that even with Hamlet. But I, I'm not I'm not fundamentally opposed to it. But I think Blake Seven is one of the ones that, because of this sort of roller coaster of changing characters that happened organically, they can't they can never capture the the the, the fire that was there. And of course, you know, part of it was Avon. Well, a good chunk fair. of it was Avon. It I mean, was Paul just Darrow. His it's Paul Darrow. Absolutely, it was all. It's it was what Paul Darrow brought to the part. Yeah, he was incredibly popular in Britain. Yep, uh, on television at that period of time, he was he was Britain's J.R. Ewing. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that's what they used to compare him to at the time, mm. because of course Dallas was big too. So right, right. But I'm not surprised. So, anyhow, that's that's my point. I guess I just wanted to I wanted to point that out. So that if, whenever they talk about a remake of Blake Seven, remember 
they can't do that. And they, oh, and the other thing, that, of course, they have to do is they have to look at what we know of the ending, right? I mean, you can't go back to square one and create a brand new premise or a brand new direction. Well, okay. So if we started, you know that when they started series one, they did not see Blake becoming a sort of Che Guevara, Fidel Castro kind of dictatorial uh, wannabe leader, right? They didn't see that. They saw him as the good guy fighting the good guy fight. And it developed that way. But if somebody went back and created a new Blake 7 right now, they would start knowing where he was going to end up at Star 1, at the very least. And they would see that all the way back to a change in his character to day one. Because it wasn't there. It wasn't really there from day one when they started the show. Mm -hmm. That was something that kind of grew up over time. But they can't do it that way because they've got this picture. You know where Blake's going, whether it's ending the universe at Star One or dying at, at Gauda Prime. They know what his trajectory is mm -hmm. and they're going to try to unify the vision as they make the story. Otherwise, people will go, gosh, he, he seems to be a little inconsistent mm. <laughs> along the way. So, Anyway, Blake 7. That was Blake 7. Thank God it's over. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> it's driving me mad. <laughs> so, I don't know what we're doing next. We haven't decided Tabor. Yet. Oh, after this series? I yeah. have no idea. Yes. I don't know what we're doing Not next. a clue. We are going to come back and look at Gene Roddenberry's Spectre. Um, yeah. And we are going to look at Gene Roddenberry's Quester tapes. Uh, Which I have never seen. Well, then see. Get get ready for a double treat <laughs> of Gene Roddenberry. Oh, I can hardly wait. <laughs> All right. Well, Ben, thank you for joining me for this uh, wonderful journey through the Galactic Federation. Oh, geez. I wish I could say this was a pleasure. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.